Hebrews chapter 10, starting with verse 19. Listen to these words and be blessed today. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through the flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confessions of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Father, we thank you this day for this time we've had to worship. Father, to see familiar faces. But Lord, more importantly, to hear your word spoken today. We know that by hearing your word, our faith grows. And Father, I ask today that that you would grow our faith in ways that would lead us and compel us to go into the world and to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, the, the only hope that there is for mankind. Father, I pray that you would call people who may be in this place today who don't know you. Father, I pray that you would empower those who do know you. May we all leave here glorifying you in your most holy name. Amen. Guys, as you're looking here, and I, I, you know, I, I'm kind of skipping over a couple of chapters from the last time that we met, and, and I'm doing it for a reason because uh, those chapters really kind of go into a little more in depth. It's uh, for, for what we're doing here and for kind of what I feel the Lord is leading us into in this time. Uh, it, it goes a little deeper as to explaining that order of Melchizedek, and that's, that's a whole study in and of itself. And, and I wanted to kind of keep us in line uh, and to go kind of uh, further to help us to know how to live in times like this. How many of you guys are just waking up in the morning and just being like, wow, more bad news, more turmoil, more strife, more sickness, more death. And that's really the story of mankind, isn't it? That, that there is a continual decline in the state of this world. There's, there's stuff continually happening, and this world is degrading at a quick rate. And so, as a pastor this morning, I want to remind you who you are in Christ. I want to remind you what Christ has done for you and I today. And in that first, that first verse there, it tells us that since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus We should draw close. You guys today as believers in Jesus, the number one thing you ought to do in the morning is to draw close to God. And I don't want you to live in self-doubt. I don't want you to feel bad about how you behaved yesterday or even how you behaved today. I want you to feel bad in the sense that you correct that. But what I want you to understand that as a believer in Jesus Christ today, you can boldly go before the throne of grace. You have that as a believer in Jesus today. 
Christ did not go to the cross just so that we could sit in a pew or that we could just do Christianly things, but Christ went to the cross that we might be saved and that we might have relationship with the Father. Does everybody understand that? That the, that the work of Jesus on the cross and that he's not just a, a prophet who is now dead, but rather he is there interceding for you and I with the Father today. And no doubt as I look around this room this morning, I, and, and I understand that maybe some of us here may have, be going through some hard times. This past week we lost a very dear member of our church, and if you, if you didn't get to know her very well, I, I, it's, a, it's a sad thing for you because she was such a saint of God, Miss, Miss Locust. She passed away. She went to be with her Heavenly Father this week, and I had the honor to, to preach uh, at, that, at that service. But it wasn't a sad service in that sense. Sure, they're going to miss grandma and mother and wife and aunt. They're going to miss her. But, but the legacy that this woman left behind, the legacy of Jesus Christ, you can see it throughout her family. And, and the kids were telling me that it all started with her. That her faith, her being a disciple of Jesus, it led to the rest of the family knowing Jesus. And I've had the opportunity to be in close connection with this family for some time, and I praise God that, that she did what she did, that she became the godly mother, the, the true follower of Jesus, and her, her family were able to hear the truth and, and to follow as well. And we are commanded here to, to draw near that we can have confidence. Church, do you have confidence to go before God today? I think I fear a lot of times in our churches that we're kind of scared to go before God because we might get asked to do something. We're, we're kind of scared to go before the throne of God because He might be calling us to something. And I know that answering a calling of God, and maybe no matter what age that you are today, but when God calls you to, to do a work, I'll tell you this much this morning. That there is no greater work than to follow a heart after who Christ is. To do the work of an evangelist. There's nothing greater. And here we see where, where we are commanded to, to, to come before the Lord. And I guess if we were to draw three points from this little passage of Scripture we read here today. As believers, the first point, we can confidently go before God Probably a lot of us in here wouldn't feel comfortable going before a celebrity in our present day and age. A few years back, Josh will appreciate this, um, I went to a, a concert, and then we went to a bookstore, and I, had, I got to meet one of the heroes of the faith. You may have heard of him, David Crowder. Has anybody ever heard him? All right, so he's signing a book. He wrote this book. Um, it was called Everybody Wants to Go to Heaven, But No One Wants to Die, and it was just this it was kind of a strange book how he wrote it, but it made the point that we need to be ready to go. And, and so I wanted to have him sign this book. And so I go and I stand in line after the concert, after all this had happened, we stand in line at like a, a Barnes and Noble or something of that nature. And um, finally, my time came to, to speak with David Crowder and he signed my book. And I was all struck. I couldn't say anything. I was just like, I was flushed. I, I was a little tired, too. You know, it was a long day. But I really couldn't c communicate with the guy. I wanted to. I wanted just to tell him what a, what, a, you know, what a great influence he's been on my life and then people I know, and it's just it's just a pleasure to meet you. And I look at him, and I was just like the little kid on the Christmas story where he couldn't tell Santa Claus what he wanted. That was Daniel in front of David Crowder. And I had this shirt. It was like a, uh, had like a graphic on there or something. And he looks at me, and he's like, 
hey, man, I have that shirt too. <laughs> that was the conversation I had with one of the greatest worship leaders of our time. I didn't communicate at all. But I think uh, for a lot of us today, we have that same type of reaction when it comes to bef- coming before God. We just don't know what to say. But the point of the matter is, is that because Jesus went to the cross at Calvary, we can confidently go to, G- to God. Do you understand that this morning? That this should be a norm in your life, that you go before God and you worship Him daily. Now, I know a lot of times you hear it from preachers. They tell you you need to probably do three things, right? And some of you are like, that's just a preacher telling us that. Well, actually, it's Hebrews chapter 10 telling us that. The Word of God telling us that. The first thing we need to be doing is definitely reading our Bibles. Everybody say amen. You need to read your Bibles. Your Bibles are the lifeline that you need. We read in Scripture that the Bible, by hearing the Word of God, that's where your faith comes from. Kind of bookmark faith, because we'll come back to that in a moment. But we need to be reading the Bible, and we need to be reading it often. The second thing we need to be doing is praying. Everybody say praying. Right? Not not like trying to, to catch a... A pray, not like as in being a predator. You need to pray. In other words, talk with God. And, and understand that we have that ability to talk to God. And we, we spoke about it a few weeks ago, how you know prayer is also listening to God. It's this communication. It's a two-way thing. We need to be a people who pray. Amen. And the third thing we need, and we see it all in this chapter, is we need to be involved in a ministry somewhere. We need to be involved in a ministry somewhere. One of the kickbacks I get, people say, well, the church is full of hypocrites. Have you ever heard that before? I don't fit in with this church. I, 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 I don't feel fed there. I don't, you know, whatever. The thing is, is we need to make sure that we are plugged in somewhere. I understand there's bad churches out there, but for a lot of people, they'll just quit going to church because they think they had one bad experience or two bad experiences or whatever. The thing is, is that Christ values the church, and so should we. And so should we. In that first point, we can do all three of these things and flourish, not by our own power, because we're good, because, by the way, humans are not good. Everybody hear that? I don't care what the Apostle Luke Bryan sings on the radio. We are not good people. We are terrible people. Actually, we are depraved people. We, we have no hope apart from Christ Jesus. We are broken. We are destitute. We are vagabonds. But in Christ, we are sons and daughters of God. Everybody hear that? Never forget that. All people are not good. And I know, as a pastor, I want to believe people are good. Don't you? I meet somebody on the road, and I, I, I hope they stay in their lane. I want to think they're a good person. They're going to stay in their lane, but sometimes people don't. I, I want to think that sometimes people behave in an adult-type manner. I, I would like to be able to post a, a verse on Facebook sometimes without being labeled as a member of Antifa. You know, it, true story. That happened to me this week. I, I posted out of 1 John how, you know, if, if you don't love your brother, then you don't know Jesus. You don't love your brother, then you're not walking in the light. And I literally got a Facebook message saying that, well, you're just a member of Antifa. And I'm like, do I look like a member of Antifa? Well, I kind of do look like a member of Antifa. I'm a white guy. But do I look like a member of Antifa? No, I'm just here to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. My, my life has been forever changed by that. I will never be the same because of what Christ did upon the cross. 
And when you're looking here, it says that we can boldly go before God. I, as a pastor, as a believer in Jesus Christ in 2020, I can do what God has called me to, not because I'm good enough or smart enough, but because God is good. That's how I'm able to do this. And the only way I can know is to boldly go before his throne and to be a person who is involved actively in reading his word and growing my faith and being a person who is actively communicating with God. And guys, catch this, being actively involved with his body, his bride, the church here on this planet. I need you guys and you need me. As good as technology is, as fun as it might be to sit in your jammies and watch sermons on TV, that was kind of a change-up for everybody, I understand. Or driving down the road, listening to a podcast, or however it was that you worshipped during the pandemic. Here's what I want you to understand. We need each other as the body of Christ. And it's not two, two churches or three churches. We are the body of Christ, the one body. And we need each other. And we can be that. You can overcome the the difficulties you may have with church. You can overcome the difficulties you may have with praying. You can overcome the difficulties you may have with reading the Bible. By understanding that Christ is already there interceding for you. Isn't that comforting to know today that God is aware of your situation? That God is aware of your situation? There was some stuff going on at work recently and I'm and uh, my my big big dog, the big boss, he was he come up and talked to me. He said, "Hey, what's going on?" And I said, yeah, "Checking in to make sure stuff's going good for me." And, I, and there was a couple little issues I was telling him about. And he's like, "I already knew about it." And I'm like, "Awesome!" It, it really just kind of reminded me of the fact that when we go to prayer to God, He already knows about it. Did you guys realize that? But he wants to communicate with you. He wants to show you the better way. Christ is interceding. And so that first point is as believers in Jesus Christ, we can confidently go before God for what we need in this life. The second point I want us to look at is as believers, we should draw near to God. So as we can confidently go to him, since we know that, now let's do it. Does everybody hear that this morning? Let's be those people. Is church important as, as we're doing right now? It is. It is important. What we do here is important. We need each other. We need to hear the Word of God. We need to study the Word of God. We need to be in prayer about our lives. So that is the call today, is that we should draw near to God. The third point that we see there, and it comes out of that, uh, the, let's see, verse 25, it says that we shouldn't neglect meeting together as some have become accustomed to doing. As believers, we should draw near to each other as well. Wherever you're at right now in this, in this church building, or maybe you're out in Facebook land or YouTube land or wherever it is, look around you. God has given you people. God has given you people to rely upon. We should draw near to each other as the bride of Christ, as the church. We need each other. That is an important part of the Christian walk. And so whenever we get an opportunity to come together, we should. And, and I thought this was interesting because you understand these, these books are written right when the church had really started kicking off, right? That first century church. These, these writings that we read in the, the latter part of the New Testament were written to new believers in a new institution that was happening around the world at that time, around the known world. And you would think that these people were on fire and they had everything going good. Remember when you first come to Jesus? How many of y'all went to church every Sunday after you came to know Christ? How many of you prayed every day? 
How many of you read your Bibles every day? Usually when we first accept Christ, those are things we do every single day. But over time, maybe we slack off on one or two or three of those things. We're not consistent in those things. And here we see that these people were dealing with it too. There was already people who had decided, well, I'm not going to church because they're a bunch of whatever. But the thing is, is that you and I need to understand today that as believers, we need those three essentials in our lives. And we can do that. Quit telling yourself you can't. Well, Daniel, I'm not good at understanding the Bible. I've literally heard people say, well, I don't understand the Old Testament, so I just don't read it. That's dumb. All right, everybody repeat after me. Dumb. The Bible in its entirety is good for us in all seasons. Understand that. That when you're reading through the Old Testament, people say, well, the story of Joseph is, is not important, or the story of Moses is not important, or the Levitical law is not important. I know it's difficult to read sometimes. The poetry and all of that may be for hard, hard for some people. But I want you to understand everything written in the Old Testament is talking directly about Jesus. It's talking about the line that would bring us Messiah, that would bring us Christ Jesus so that we might be saved. Everything in the Old Testament points to Jesus. It points to who he is. We need the entirety of Scripture. Revelation, sometimes people say, well, Revelation confuses me. Yeah, me too. It does. And I really, I think, the, the, the thing that people, they, they miss it, and it's particularly in times like this, where it seems like Armageddon's about to happen, right? That in times like these, people want to interpret the book of Revelation in light of current days. But what we need to understand is that the book of Revelation is not about us. The book of Revelation is about Jesus. See, everything in Scripture is pointing towards Christ. Uh, interesting, if some of you guys want to go home and watch a cool video. It's about two hours long, this first one. I, I haven't checked it out totally. I think there may be more episodes. But on Netflix, if you're a Netflixer, there is a, is that a word, Netflixer? I'm not sure. But there was a new series, and it's called American Gospel. Now, normally, if I'm flipping on Netflix, I'm watching The Office or Andy Griffith or some show like that, right? And, and uh, my cousin, he messaged me yesterday and said, have you watched American Gospel? I had heard of American Gospel, but I never watched it. And I, I'm about two-thirds of the way through the first, the first series there. And, it, it, man, guys, I want to tell you something. You need to watch this show. I never say that about anything, except The Office. I do encourage people to watch The Office because I think it's funny. But the thing is, is that this show, though, it lays out what the gospel truly is. Because you guys understand, in this day and age, we have a lot of preachers out there who are preaching a false gospel. They're preaching that God wants to make you healthy, wealthy, and wise. And I'm not saying that God doesn't desire good things for us, but what God desires the most is that we are saved. He sent Jesus, not that we might drive a Mercedes Benz. He sent Jesus so that we might know that we can have life without ends. You guys understand that, right? That that's why Christ came. He didn't come so that we could just be rich or even happy. I mean, do you guys realize that the religious people crucified Jesus? I heard somebody say one time in a song that, well, it's no wonder Jesus is taking his time coming back to, for his church. The last time he came, we crucified him. Guys, understand, Jesus suffered while he's here. The apostles all suffered in their lives, and all but was it one died for their faith? Do, do, you, do you think for a moment that, 
that the apostle that died, that that was God's will? Well, actually, it was God's will for his life. Sometimes we're going to go through rough times. And more than likely, we will too. The, the church in America, we've had it so good over the last hundred, couple hundred years because we've basically worshipped as we have wanted to without opposition. We've experienced that. We've enjoyed that. And we may be entering a time where it's about to get really rough. And so what do we do? We draw close to God. The answer is not going to be politics. The racial issues going on in our world, it's not going to be cured with politics. Has it ever? We can pass laws and racism is still there whether we like it or not. Racism is still there. I, again, I, I, this past week I was, I was labeled as a, as a person who was a part of Antifa. I, I've had people jump on me for posting a verse. It's a weird day and age when you can post a verse and someone can make it political. And, and someone said, well, how, how do we approach how do we approach it as believers in Jesus Christ today? What, what should be the church's approach to this? I've got a lot of pastor friends who just won't even talk about it because people just argue. I have some that are overly outspoken about it, and they argue with everyone. Well, I want to tell you something, that today as a believer in Jesus Christ, your job is to proclaim the gospel. Does everybody hear that this morning? Your job is to proclaim the gospel. And, and I, I, I told a person this week, I said, you know what, I'm not going to argue politics with you because politics are not the answer. What I'm going to tell you, though, is that Jesus is the answer. What I'm going to tell you, though, is that the message of the gospel is equality. Does everybody hear that? The message of the gospel is equality. Because all have sinned. All have fallen short. But guys, catch this. All can be saved. That's everyone here. That's everyone in the world today. We all can experience this. We've all fallen short, but guys, we can all be saved. And so honestly, the message of the church should be, it's the gospel. It's the answer. It's right here. And we can confidently approach the throne of God because of what Jesus Christ did upon the cross of Calvary. And today I rejoice in that. I rejoice in who he is. So let's not neglect meeting together. Let's not neglect uh, being a people who pray, uh, a people who approach God in that way. Let's remember that what Jesus did made it possible for us to do the impossible. The impossible work that we may view today is evangelizing this world, preaching this world. And no matter what happens, I, I, my, my hope for America is that all this kind of levels out and everything gets back to normal. How many of y'all want that? But let me throw this out there to you. Things may never return to the way they were. Things may never be peaceful again. Have you thought about that? These are, these are thoughts that cross my mind. Things may get worse than they are now. There's, in our time of our history, you know, we had, we had an American Civil War. <laughs> Can you imagine living through that time? I know you guys have all heard it, brother against brother, fighting in the fields and stuff. Can you imagine if we went through that again? None of us here can say it won't happen. None of us here can say that everything's going to be hunky-dory this time next week or by the end of summer, you know, school can start again and we can go back to Friday night lights and we can go back to, you know, going out to restaurants without thinking, oh, 
that person just sneezed. Do they have the virus or whatever? You know, we can, we can not worry about what people think about what we post on the Internet. We can go back to normal. But guys, let me pose this, this scenario to you. What if nothing ever returns back to normal? What if we stay in this chaotic, chaotic state that we are now in? What then? And here's the answer. Proclaim the gospel. Live the gospel. It's the only thing that's going to get us through good times or bad times. And if it is the end of times, then bring it on. If it is the end of times as a believer in Jesus Christ, I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm ready for Christ to come back. Can anybody here agree with that today? That We're ready for Jesus to come back. I'm ready for all this to, to kind of be over, and all we have to do is worship the, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And I, I'm ready for that time for me. But in the meantime, my commandment is not just to step back and just to say, well, whatever. But my commandment is to go to proclaim the gospel. And again, you and I can do that. You and I can go forth because we have an advocate with the Father. And it takes faith to do that. I've, no doubt in my life I've, I've been called as a pastor. People call you, well, Daniel, you're a man of faith. And I don't think people know really what that means. When, when someone usually says that to me, I'm like, here's an opportunity to witness to someone. They say, you're a man of faith. What does that mean? Well, for a lot of people, faith means Christian, Muslim, right? There, there's, there's a particular label with that. You're a man of faith. You're, 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 uh, you're Assembly of God, or you're, you're non-denominational. You're, you're Baptist. I want to tell you something today, that I am not a man of Baptist, okay? I am not. When we talk about faith, faith is something that is given by God himself. It is a gift from God. And that faith is given a definition here in Hebrews. And so next week, some of you are like, well, Daniel, you skipped over that next verse. It talks about, well, if you hear the good news and then you, you, you turn away from it and sin, there's no more salvation for you. Some of you are like, why didn't you read that verse, Daniel? Next week, okay, we're going to tackle that one because that's probably going to take the entire time. We might be here all afternoon. I'm not sure. We'll come back next week. Now, let's get a definition of faith. I was just looking at this, and I was like, well, I think a lot of people today need a good definition as to what faith is. We definitely have a problem defining gospel. There's everybody in the world has got a definition of gospel. They think, well, it's not just music. We can get that. But what is the gospel? Well, the gospel is that God saved sinful man. That's the gospel. It's nothing we do. You know, I'm a, I'm a pastor, and some people say, well, Daniel's saved. Well, I'm not saved because of my good works. I'm saved because of grace that was bestowed upon me, and I was given a gift called faith. And in faith, I can put my trust in a Savior who went to the cross at Calvary, died, rose again, and today he intercedes for me, and now empowers me through his Holy Spirit to do his work not something I can brag about. I'm, I'm not going to set up here and sugarcoat what some of these tele-evangelists are telling you. You're not good people. You're not, <laughs> I know, well, they're good people. We're, none of us are good. None of us can get to heaven on our own. Honestly, if we were good, tell me why we would need Jesus. What would be the point in Christ if we were already good? You know, that'd be like you having a septic backup at your house. I know. Happened to me recently, by the way. 
But if you went out and you had a septic backup, and those are really gross, and I, I don't wish that on anyone. I had a septic backup, and it was the clog, whatever it was, the matter. <laughs> I won't get into it. I know it's lunchtime. But it was 60 feet out. I had 50 foot of snake. Now, if, I had, if that clog had been at 50 foot, I probably could have cleared it. Wouldn't have had to call the Roto-Rooter man, right? Well, the Roto-Rooter man gets there, and he's got this fancy machine. and You know, it's like I'm standing out there with him. It's 1030 at night, and he, he's, he's doing his whatever he does. I don't, that just sounds so gross. That guy does a lot of props to those guys that do that for a living. Because that's, you know, that's our stuff in that line, and I didn't want to touch it. He, he's coming from Tulsa, and he's, he's just like, man, this is good. Yeah, I like this job. Whew. Poor feller. But, I, but I, you could hear it, and he was like, just listen. I said, well, how do you tell? And he's like, you can hear it. And I don't know if you've ever been around one of those rotor machines. It, like, shakes the ground. Like, you can feel it. It's like, rawr, rawr, rawr. Sounds like uh, something on Lord of the Rings is about to come out of the mountain, and it's just, it's just weird. But, and it might have been. I don't know if there was any rings or whatever. But, but he's going through there, and, and uh, all of a sudden you just hear, it, like, a different noise, right? And he goes, oh, we hit it. And I'm like, yeah, woo! You know, I'm excited, I guess knowing that there was a big bill at the end, too. But I said, well, how far out was that? And he said, ah, about 60 feet. <laughs> it's like, man, are you kidding me? Now, how many of you would call Roto-Rooter if you didn't have a need for Roto-Rooter? How many of you would do that? How many of you are going to go home today and say, ah, you know, my septic line might be filled up. I might just need to go home and just do it anyways. Or if your car is broke down, you don't. You know, you might take it to a mechanic for sure. But if your car is running fine, you're not just going to take it in for no reason. Here, I just want to give you guys some money. Here's what I want you to understand. We go to Jesus because we need Jesus. We go to Christ because we need him. If we were good, why would we go to him? What would be the purpose of what he did on the cross? And I guys, I got to tell you something. We are only saved through faith. And what is faith? Look at here, Hebrews 11.1. 1. A definition of faith. I'm glad you asked, what is faith? Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. That's what faith is. It's, it's this assurance that something God has given us, and you can't have that apart from it being a gift from God. You can't obtain faith on your own. It is given by God through His Word. Does everybody hear that today? Faith is not saying, well, I'm a Baptist. Honestly, even as Baptists, I've, I've said this before, but Baptists, historically, we were known as people of the book. Where a lot of other churches, and nothing wrong with catechisms and, and all this kind of stuff, but the thing is, is that all we need in this world is this book right here. If every other book perished, this is all we would need. Because it has every answer that we need. Some of you guys today were saying, well, what is faith then? I thought faith was being Baptist or Christian or, or whatever. Faith is a supernatural gift that is given by God that gives us assurance of things that we can't understand or see or know. Now I hear a lot of people say, well, the Lord told me this. If somebody comes to you and says, well, the Lord told me this, you need to turn them off. The Lord tells us all the same thing, and it's in His Word. God doesn't privately just speak to some people. I realize that God reveals things to us. That's different than God speaks. 
I've known people who literally will stand up and say, well, the, the Lord told me today, blah, 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 blah. The Lord speaks to us through his word. This is it right here. And we can have assurance in what? In anything that we can't see or hope for. It's, it's hard for me to sometimes understand that God would want to save me. It's hard, it's hard for me to understand, but I have faith because God gave it to me to understand that even though I'm a worthless slime in this world, God still loves Daniel. That even though I was depraved in my thinking, and I'm still depraved in my thinking at times because we're all human, amen? Don't, don't sit there and say, yes, Daniel, you are depraved in your thinking. You are too! We're all depraved. We're all broken but christ is the answer and when we see here it takes faith to understand this that god is good that no matter what happens whether things never get better in this world we will survive because god is good and that takes faith to believe doesn't it you know what i've seen people time and time again they get diagnosed with a cancer or they go through the roughest time of their life. And, I, and if they're a person of faith, if God has blessed them with that, they go through it smiling. I know it's not easy on them. I'm not saying they are happy that it's happening necessarily. But honestly, no matter what we go through in this world, we can get through it because we understand that God is in control. And faith is that key. Faith is what, exactly what we need. That, that definition we see there, it's this assurance to get through anything. And over the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at how to apply faith. We're going to look at the, the, the examples that we see in the Old Testament that some people think is not worthy of reading anymore. We see these stories of people in the Old Testament and how faith got them through and what faith did, how God was glorified through them because they were given faith. So if you're a reader and you like to read ahead, read the rest of chapter 10, read the rest of chapter 11. That'll kind of prime the pump before we get into it next week. But as you're looking here today, this idea that we have faith, that we're not just people who do things on our own, but rather, guys, we are people who need Jesus. We are not good enough. We are not smart enough. We need God. We need Him in our life. Even when you've lost someone, when the the heartache is there because they're no longer there. When you've been diagnosed with something that's bad or whatever happens to you in this world, understand that faith is an assurance that God has given us. And we can trust in God. Do we understand today that God is all-powerful? Say amen. He's all-knowing. Say amen. I heard a preacher recently say that God doesn't know everything. I could give you a list, but if you go home and watch American Gospel, I'm not getting paid by them, by the way. It'll teach you a lot. Some of these teachers, some of us, we've been listening to them. We're like, man, we kind of like their charismatic, uh, you know, approach to preaching or whatever. We look at them, we think, well, those, you know, they kind of fit like something maybe we want to listen to, but their actual teachings are not even biblical. They're not even biblical. So we must be careful what we listen to. And we must be adamant about hearing the Word of God, about getting into the Word of God. Going to church shouldn't make us feel better, by the way. Honestly, when we read the Word of God, don't act like it's going to make you feel better. I understand it brings you peace, but honestly, when you read the Word of God, it shows us 
like a light, it shows us exactly what's wrong and then the way to correct it. And the way that we correct it is through Christ Jesus. It's through Christ Jesus. It's not through our own works. It's not through what we do. Faith is the gift. Faith is the key. It's, it's how we proceed in, in bringing glory to God. What Daniel does on this stage, what we do as a church, what you do in your personal life is not, it shouldn't be something in which you just do it so that you can bring yourself glory. No, I mean, just like my, my dear sister in Christ who passed away this week, I can look at her family and I can see exactly the legacy she leaves behind. And that's not something that she even did. The legacy she leaves behind is something that God did in her and that gospel message that was lived in her life, that, that truth that she lived, and today she's enjoying the rewards of, of a good and gracious God, you can see it in her family today. And I think at the end of the day, that's probably what most of us want. We want to be able to leave behind something good, something that lasts. And I hate to tell you, but 401ks don't always last. Honestly, my experience with people passing away and they're divvying, divvying out the amounts of money that may have been left over from that person's life, it usually just causes trouble and strife in families. And that's ridiculous. But I'll tell you something. When you leave the gospel as your legacy, that's a good thing. I look back in my own life, my family, praise God, I, I grew up in a Christian home. My parents grew up in Christian homes. Their parents grew up in Christian homes. Got a lot of preachers in my family. Got a lot of, a lot of people that knew Jesus. I had a lot of people who didn't, too, and still don't. But even in the example of, of, of Joni and myself, I'm glad that God called us because there's a little boy who has a, who has a family today where maybe we don't know where he would have ended up. The gospel does so much in the lives of the people around us. And I don't say that to brag about me because honestly, I'm, I'm not that smart to plan this out. Honestly, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a 43-year-old male, a, a 13, 14, 15-month-old kid that wasn't in the plans for Daniel right now. I got a nine, you know, it's just, it's just crazy. You got a 19-year-old all the way down to that age. It's like, that wasn't the plan. I couldn't have planned it. But you see why it's important that we draw near to the, the throne of God? I, I'm able to, to have peace in my current situation because I do draw near to God. That, and it's something that God does through me. I can't even take credit for drawing near to God. It's just something God does through me that, that you know, when people talk about election and all that kind of stuff, that, that I, boy, people get in all kinds of arguments, you know about that word election. But here's what I can know. I can, I can know this, is that God is good. Y'all hear me say that a lot, but catch it. I heard Paul Washer say this week that uh, he's a big-time preacher and theologian and everything like that. I like Paul Washer, but he, one of the things he said, he said uh, that he went to a church and they were he kind of asked them, well, what do you guys kind of, what do y'all like to hear, you know, like a sermon series or something like that or a book of the Bible? And, and they were kind of going, he says, well, he says, here's the thing. He says, I'm just going to preach the gospel. And they're like, well, our people already know the gospel. We already know what the gospel is. And he's like, that's good, but we still need to study the gospel. You don't reach a point that you're just like, well, read that, that was good. I don't need that anymore. No. 
the gospel is in a lot of ways more essential to us today than even it was in the beginning. I don't know if it was more, but it ought to mean more to you at least. Because when we first came to know Jesus, the gospel is what saved us. And guys, here's the thing. As we progress in our walk with God and bringing Him glory in this life, the gospel is what's going to keep us on track. The gospel is what's going to propel us. It's not our own works. It's not our own goodness. But it's the grace of God. And through faith, through a blessed assurance, we can continue on. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? I want you to bow your heads as our worship team leads in a little small song here. We're just going to, uh, to give in the next few moments just to, to talk to our Heavenly Father and ask Him to let these words sear our hearts and that we don't leave here thinking, man, I feel good about myself, but maybe we're leaving here saying, I'm not a good person, and, and I need Jesus. And so may it prompt us to say, Jesus, I need you now more than ever. I need to know the gospel now more than ever. God, we love you today. I pray that you would call people to, to right understanding of your will in their life. People often want to ask, well, God, what is your plan for me? It's the same for us all. God's plan for our lives is that we bring Him glory.